You're listening to Father Kirby Longo's Homilies, powered by Mountain Catholic. Father Kirby is a priest of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Helena, the parochial vicar of St. Anne's Parish in Butte, Montana, and chaplain of Butte Central Catholic Schools. Enjoy. The first part of this gospel today seems to, at first sight, to come out of a, a, a book giving us insights into business success. It's like how to win friends and influence people or something, or seven habits of highly successful people. It seems like a passage straight out of one of those books because it's kind of telling you how to not embarrass yourself at a party or how, you know, how to manipulate other people to seeing you in a certain way. Because it does seem basically like Jesus is giving that, that sort of advice and that in the end you'll be glorified if you, do, if you humble yourself. And is that even really convincing? Because we see people do things like that all the time, and rarely are we convinced of their authenticity. But I think we can assume there's a lot more going on here, because these are Jesus' words. They're not just advice for ambitious young men and women. So I think we need the second half of the gospel to sort of clarify the first half for us. In our culture today, it's become secularized enough that any sense of mission in our lives has, has been sort of lost and we've replaced the idea of having a mission with meaning or happiness in our life, personal meaning or personal happiness. And that's our new pursuit. But in a sort of ironic twist, this pursuit has, has made us more unhappy. I think I've preached on the numbers too often, so I won't name a bunch of numbers here, they can only do so much, but we do seem to be one of the most unhappy cultures in human history, and that's despite historic lows in poverty. There's less poverty in the world than there's ever been in our country, historic highs in wealth and leisure and life expectancy and education. All those numbers are staggering compared to the rest of human history, but we're not happy. You know, how is that possible? I get the feeling sometimes that I have friends who, who are at the beginning of each day, they search out something to make them unhappy that day. And if they don't find it by 9 a.m., their day is ruined because they have to be in a good mood. And there's a certain relish to sort of cynicism and, and helplessness and bitterness at the world because I think it helps us to escape any culpability for our own actions. It's not my fault. It's the world doing this to me. And it also gains a certain sympathy from our friends when we, when we put this burden upon ourselves. But one thing that it certainly doesn't do is give us any sort of meaning and happiness. But this isn't really an encouraging thing to find because if, if making the pursuit of our lives, our own happiness and meaning, is precisely the thing that makes us unhappy, then what are we supposed to do? How, how do we go about seeking out happiness if pursuing it is the thing that makes us unhappy? Sort of a confusing paradox. Well, first, I think we need to look at why, why seeking our own personal happiness makes us unhappy, and then we can look to the gospel for a possible answer to the question, what ought, we, what ought we to do then? I think the more we center our lives around our own happiness or following our bliss or 
the not-so-new Instagram favorite, you know, living your best life. I, the more insecure and inadequate we feel, and, and the more impossible that that pursuit seems. And why is that? It, we live in a community of people. We live in groups of people, towns, cities, countries, world. And inevitably, in our own lives, we begin to compare everything that we're doing to the, what those around us are doing. So we, we compare our pursuits to the pursuits of our peers. So teenage Kirby is trying to live his best life. And let's say that for me, well, for me in high school, it was athletics. So I'm in the gym four to five days a week, trying to work hard, trying to become the best athlete I can be. And it put in two years of hard work, and I put, managed to put on 20 pounds. Most of that was just growing. Some of it might have been muscle. But I was pretty proud of myself for having done that until I looked to my right and my left, and the guys on either side of me look like the Simpkins twins over here. And so it doesn't matter how hard I work, I'm just never going to be that guy. Never going to be the best there. It actually was just the case. In every part of my life as I grew up, I realized that every goal I made, and no matter what I accomplished, there was going to be at least one person pursuing that same thing who was better than me. So, it didn't matter whether it was academics, athletics, music, anything. I wasn't the best, and I wasn't unique there. I felt like I wasn't unique because I wasn't the best. I wasn't even unique in the sort of odd combination of mediocrity that I was pursuing. You know, there were other people doing the same combination of things as me. And I had this experience just as a local kid in Billings, Montana. That's all it took, just looking around that town. So if I felt that there, then that was sort of pre-global society, you could say. Now we have not only to compare ourselves to the people in our immediate vicinity, in our own town, but we can compare ourselves to everyone in the world because everyone's so well-connected. A kid thinks he's possibly got a chance at basketball. Well, you just have to go online and watch highlights of Nike summer camps or AAU travel teams down in Vegas and then stack yourself up against those kids. You know, good luck. You think you're a good skier? Well, watch the Red Bull channel and some 13-year-olds throwing a double backflip off a 60-foot cliff up in Alaska. It's like, how? I'm never going to be that kid. Or just a young girl looking at, you know, what's cool today? And then you see thousands of profiles of beautiful young women on endless vacations to exotic places wearing designer clothes and eating at all the best restaurants and, and making careers out of being influencers. Now, I, I stepped into class one day and there was a couple of girls looking at a, a, a Visco profile and it was just one of those sort of perfect profiles of the beautiful girl who was on the beach in every picture or eating at incredible restaurants and I asked, what was, you know, what's going on in the other world these days? And they said, well, we're just looking at this girl's account. She has the perfect life. She's the perfect life. And then I tried in vain to sort of convince them that that wasn't in fact her life and that, that that didn't exist. But then even if it was her life, it's not the perfect life. And even at, at the end of that, I wasn't even convinced of my own argument because there was a power to that sort of feed. And 
I realized I had given up the fundamental point of the argument, which was, what is the perfect life? Like, what makes for the perfect life? What makes us happy? Because if we, if, if our own personal happiness or our, our search for meaning is at the center of our own lives, then of course we're going to look to the richest, the most influential, the most beautiful people, the, the most talented people. That's going to be our vision of perfection. And in the world today, when we're, when we're looking at the whole world to sort of give us that vision, then we're going to lose that battle immediately. We're never going to win that battle. We're going to despair. And then it's going to seem out of reach, and we're just going to stop trying. Which is what so many of us do. And you can draw that out all the way into the rest of your life. I mean, you can draw it out into your job. You can draw it out into your, what's my retirement going to look like? What does my house look like? What does my car look like? You can ask that question of anything, and we lose that battle. The gospel gives us something very different for sort of the criterion for what's going to make us happy. What, is, what does Jesus tell the Pharisee? When you hold a lunch or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your wealthy neighbors in case they might pay you back. Rather, when you hold a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. So instead of seeking out that that sort of status, climbing up those ladders that we'll never get to the top of, Jesus suggests exactly the opposite will make us happy. That when, that when the happiness of the homeless man on the corner or your depressed friend or the lonely kid in the corner or the, your aging mother or grandmother, when their happiness becomes the center of your life, becomes your focus, that's when you actually begin to feel joy. And that happiness only happens when we begin to sort of feel the call of God to get outside of ourselves and stop worrying about our own happiness. It has to be the call from God because there's no other way to do that. There's no other way to sort of make something else outside of ourselves our focus. He reveals to us a particular mission for us. And it's actually in that mission that we find our uniqueness. It's the only uniqueness that we have in this world. As I said, there's no, there's no one particular skill or talent that makes you unique. It's just the way of the world. But there is a mission that God has that involves all of those things. All of the gifts that you've been given. All the skills. It even involves your weaknesses. And that is the thing to which you are called that no one else in the world can accomplish. No one else can do it. God has created the whole entire universe with that one particular mission for you. And when, when we actually begin to sort of go about that, that's when our gifts come to life in a meaningful way. That's when our talents come to life in a meaningful way. It's in the call of God that we find that, that uniqueness that we've always been seeking. So let us forget ourselves. Let us humble ourselves before the Lord. Stop trying to seek out that happiness in this world and ask him what that mission might be for us. Uh, And then we'll find that we're suddenly a part of the banquet of the God of the universe, which is the only one that we ever want to be a part of. 
It's the only one worth being a part of. It's the only one worth being a guest of honor at. Uh, And that's the life that will bring us joy. Amen.